the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Nick DiGilio here. It is the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Episode number 67. It's a Friday. Hope everybody has a lovely weekend. And uh, lots of stuff uh, happening on this episode. My good friends, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, movie critics, my buddies, uh, members as I am of the Chicago Film Critics Association. They join me every other Friday to review all the new movies, talk movies in general and box office and uh, whatever is happening in the movie world. Uh, we got some news. I believe Eric is uh, going to be heading to Toronto for the annual Toronto Film Festival, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, one of the most highly uh, anticipated and regarded film festivals every year. Um, you know, hasn't he hasn't been, I think, in three years? I know it's definitely a solid two years because of COVID. Um, but I think it's been three years since Eric has been... Uh, been uh, to uh, Toronto. So we'll get some coverage from him when he gets back. Uh, we will talk about some of the exclusive movies that he saw while he was in Toronto and get some reviews from him. And I think a couple of uh, movies will be available for uh, us to review as well. Uh, but uh, he will be there live and we'll get all the coverage from the Toronto Film Festival when he gets back. And that's, uh, I believe he'll be back, I think like the 12th or 13th of September. He'll be gone for about four or five days covering that big film festival. And the Toronto Film Festival uh, debuts a lot of big movies that we will see uh, in the public, you know, uh, by the end of the year, a lot of the bigger movies for awards consideration and the holidays and stuff like that, usually premiere at Toronto. And Venice is happening right now, too. There's a big film festival in Venice. We're getting towards that time now where the fall comes in and all the serious movies come out, the award contenders come out. It gets to be pretty interesting, uh, you know, even though we don't have as many movies being released, you know, because of how the movie business has changed because of COVID and what's been going on in the world money-wise and all that cool stuff. But in, in general now, we're starting to build back up to it, and the fall is always the big serious time. Uh, for movie releases and uh, Eric will be covering uh, Toronto for us right here so Eric and Steve will be joining me to cover all the new movies and movie reviews and stuff Uh, my buddy Esmeralda Leon the one the only the best she will be with us to talk about some scary stories some big lies and some organic foods we promised we will get to that (laughs) we've been distracted the last couple episodes where we were going to talk about organic food and the lies behind organic food and what makes organic food organic food and how you can slap that name on it we're definitely going to talk about that on the episode today. So that's what's coming up. I want to thank Jason Skaggs for all the sounds and the music and the fun stuff that he does. I want to thank you for listening. And if you want to be a part of the podcast, leave your voicemails 24-7, anytime, anywhere, anytime you want to leave a voicemail with anything you want to say, 773-417-6948. We really encourage your, your, uh, your feedback. Please Call us, leave messages, 773-417-6948, or drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, any comments, any feedback, email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, and speaking of voicemails, oh, wait, hold on. I just want to say hi. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Thank you, baby. I know you do. All right. We get uh, some voicemails. Uh, a few weeks ago, Esmeralda and I were talking about uh, crazy neighbor stories, if you've ever had an insane neighbor. And we asked our subscribers and our listeners to provide us with some of their stories about crazy neighbors. And uh, an old buddy who used to listen to me uh, when I was on that stupid car wash radio station, now I'm doing this. Um, he called in and left a voicemail about um, how these neighbors that were moving in upstairs from him and his wife, they had two daughters, and the daughters uh, pulled their pants down and showed him his butt, showed him their butt. And, uh, and then I had some unanswered questions like, uh, wait a minute now, dude, uh, were they uh, legal? How old were they? Uh, there were a lot of unanswered questions that Waukegan Jim left when he got mooned by his new neighbors. And I just had a couple more questions. So Waukegan Jim decided to... Uh, or Waukegan J, I should say, decided to call back. Hey, Nick and Julio, this is Waukegan J calling to reply to your follow-up questions about our bad neighbors. And in my case, these were naughty neighbors. Um, so the first uh, thing I want to get out of the way is, is that these girls were of age. My wife found out around that time, just in conversation with the mother, that they were a Greek family that moved from Chicago to the Burbs because I guess the father got a new job somewhere out there. And uh, the daughters were 19, fraternal twins, and they were both uh, enrolling into Harper College. So, yes, everybody can relax. Take your ESMA medication and take a chill pill. <laughs> and then as far as uh, any further interesting encounters with them, no, not really. You know, I see them here and there, sometimes with uh, one of the parents or both. But, uh, you know, as they were walking in, like the last one's walking in, yeah, I got a little smirk here and there from them. But after that, that was, that was the most exciting thing that happened. So, yeah. So that's it. That's that's, that's all that happened. Um, so I'll be listening. Take care. All right. Thank you, buddy. Just wanted to clear that up. Okay. They were legal. They were 19. They showed uh, him their butts, uh, and uh, nothing else happened after that. So there you go. I just had some unanswered questions. Thank you, Waukegan Jay. Uh, and thank you to everyone who participated in our Wow, I Have an Insane Neighbor Story Marathon. We appreciate that. We appreciate all, uh, all of your feedback and all of your participation in the podcast. Also, if you want to be a sponsor, we would love to have you advertise on the Nick D Podcast. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast, and you will reach a lot of people. So uh, advertise with us right now. Contact us at sales at radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us on every platform uh, that we are available on. We are available on every single platform out there where you can get your podcast. So take the time to rate and review us. And, uh, and there you go. All right. So, uh, Eric, Steve, movie reviews coming up after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. Ah, yes. That theme can only mean one thing. 
It's time for movies and the movie reviews and all kinds of movie stuff. Eric Childress and Steve Procopi join me every other Friday to uh, talk about the movies, box office, whatever pops up, and review the latest and greatest in the motion picture uh, world. And let me welcome uh, them uh, to uh, the episode. Here is Eric Childress. Hi, Eric. Hello, everyone. All right. Uh, tell everybody where they can read your stuff and see your stuff and hear your stuff and all that stuff. Uh, you can listen to me on uh, my uh, two, uh, two podcasts, the Movie Madness podcast uh, that Steve Procopi is a regular guest on. We talk movies there all the time. And uh, the Friendship Dilemma with that I do with Morgan Geyer, where we talk about uh, male and female friendships in movies. And I'm also on television every week on a show called Business First AM uh, that is Thursdays at 5 a.m. You can find me. Discussing bar, uh, box office. And box like office, yes. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Steve Procopi is our other uh, guest here every uh, other Friday. Steve, where can we read and see and hear and all that stuff? Sure. Uh, I am. You can read my reviews at thirdcoastreview.com. Uh, you can hear me with Eric on the Movie, Mo- uh, movie Madness podcast. <laughs> and you can catch me like several times a week just sort of going to stuff at the music box because I am their PR manager. So right. I'm there a lot. Right. Sampling the goods, as they say. Absolutely. Getting high on my own supply. Yeah. Sure. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, and you'll be seeing me a lot next week. I mean, for Christ's sake, two nights in a row, you guys are showing Mad Max Fury Road. So, yeah. Just rope off this. <laughs> rope off my usual seat for that. Um, and I was there for the um, for Funny Pages, uh, which mm-hmm. is what's Owen Klein? Is that his name? I believe so. Yes. Owen Klein. Yes. That's Kevin Klein and Phoebe Cates' son. It's his first full length feature. That he wrote and directed. Um, I think I liked it, although I was <laughs> unbelievably uncomfortable during the entire running time. And the first thing I thought of was, I guess when you're like 12 and you're working with Noah Baumbach, that affects you. I guess mm-hmm. when you you know when you make a, the squid when you're in the squid and the whale, and then you just <laughs> decide to make movies, um, and you use a few people that uh, that have been in Noah Baumbach's movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I, I did not expect, I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect <laughs> that. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, apparently a lot of the things that this kid is fond of are things that Owen Klein is fond. Like these are, these are passions in his life. The, the oh comic yeah. Artistry. And so like, this is, I wouldn't, I don't think he's probably that awful a human being, but uh, but at the same time, I, I do. Oh no! Like, I mean, think you can tell a lot of the passions no. are his. Yeah. Oh, you can tell it's. it's you can tell it's. <laughs> you can tell it's a hugely personal work. I mean, you could just. Yeah. You can just tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, but his style and, and the tone, it's very Bombach. It's very Noah Bombach, and and mm-hmm. that's. I'm a fan of him, so uh, that's fine with me. But I didn't expect that. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I expected, <laughs> but I did not expect an even more twisted Bombach kind of a movie. Because it's a mm-hmm. fucked up movie. It's a very, funny page. is a very fucked up movie, um, <laughs> and that ends in a very uncompromising and very weird way. That I just kind of sat in the theater afterwards and went, "What the fuck?" You know, like I, <laughs> I really didn't kind of uh, know what to make of it. But I, I think I enjoyed it. And then I had a blast with uh, Scandal Sheet. Uh, you guys wrapped up the mm-hmm. the, the film noir um, stuff, and you guys had uh, great, uh, uh, great host. Um, mm-hmm. Very knowledgeable dude uh, introducing the movies and stuff. And you guys had great... I mean, the print that you had for Scandal Sheet was... I mean, not like that's the biggest movie ever made or anything. So, yeah. you you know, but it's, it, was a, it was a pristine print. And the crowd was really into it. And it was great. Broderick Crawford, uh, Donnery, John Derrick, Harry Morgan, 
uh, directed by a guy who directed eight million movies, got screwed over in his career, and then finally um, made money and died and could retire on Walking Tall. He finally made a movie <laughs> in the early seventies after after being a workman through the forties and fifties and into the sixties. You know, he finally can retire because he took a piece. He took uh, he took a piece of Walking Tall. He didn't he get, he he got paid a little bit. But he thought he'd take some of the gross, and man, was he was that a sound decision? But all this guy, all the work that this guy did, nobody really recognized until until fucking Walking Tall came out, which is uh, anyway. But anyway, Scandal Sheet, terrific, terrific movie. That's one of the interesting things about some of these prints is that because these aren't a lot of these movies that we're playing weren't particularly popular even in their yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, they haven't been requested a lot over the decades. So these, some of these are the original prints that just have only been played like a handful of times. So they're still look yeah. really good. I, well, clearly, uh, clearly Scandal Sheet was not requested. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's yeah. not, a, I mean, it's, I think it's a terrific movie and, 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 you know, like really dark. And I mean, it's noir, obviously, but yeah. Broderick, Broderick Crawford's unbelievable in it. And, and, uh, and it's just, it's a really twisted movie. And so I can understand why when it came out, people were like, and it's based on a Sam Fuller book. Um, and he thought he was going to direct it. And then they, you know, they hired this, you know, Hollywood workman to direct it. And, uh, and Fuller was pissed and he, and he, and he like, uh, filed a lawsuit and said that they ruined his story and all this other shit. It was just <laughs> anyway, fascinating stuff, but, uh, but, uh, great stuff over at the music box. And yeah. really quickly, uh, why don't we mention the Stephen King, uh, fest, which is actually, uh, starts tonight. Uh, this is Friday mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, uh, and it's all week you guys are doing, uh, or weekend. Uh- just a the weekend, weekend, yeah. Yeah, it's, the weekend. It's okay. put on put on by the uh, Losers Club podcast, which is a Stephen King uh, fan podcast. They they've done this once before. I think it was pre pandemic, and they um, this is just a little film festival. They they help us put together, and on Friday the second, we're playing The Shining and Doctor Sleep back to back. And I'm sure we're not the first to have done that, but I think we're the first in Chicago to ever put those two films on a double bill and then you know that, Saturday yeah, what's that? I was going to say that's, that's for sure. I think it definitely. Yeah. Uh, and city, and then yeah. Saturday, Saturday we're playing a uh, creep show uh, with uh, a Q and a afterwards by the great makeup guru and uh, director, Greg Nicotero from KNB. He didn't have anything to do with this movie, but he is the executive producer of the creep show anthology series. It's on shutter. Uh, and then we're also playing 1408 and we're ending Saturday night uh, at midnight with Christine Please. Yeah. Well, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. You think? Um, and then Sunday uh, during the day, we're playing Misery and Stand By Me. And then the podcast is going to do a live taping uh, that in the late afternoon, early evening. Uh, and then we're also in the in the garden just for fun. We're playing on Friday uh, Pet Cemetery 2 and on Saturday Creep Show 2. So there you go. Um, just, you know, for the hell of it. And most of those most of those films will be in 35. So. Right. Right. That's great, man. Uh, so the Stephen King Fest uh, uh, begins at tonight. Friday runs through the weekend. Uh, lots of great stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. there you go. And Eric, you have a thing that's coming up this week, too, where you and Morgan are hosting something for the first time. You and Morgan, who are the hosts of the uh, uh, the Friendship Dilemma podcast. Yeah, at uh, Elk Grove Cinema, the, the regular series that uh, we've been doing there for many years uh, with members of the uh, Chicago Film Critics Association. Uh, we pick a classic movie, we do a Q&A and discussion afterwards, and Morgan and I are going to be doing uh, A League of Their Own, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. So Wednesday, September 7th uh, at 7 p.m., 
Uh, we'll be there. We'll introduce the movie, and afterwards we'll do a whole discussion about it, about its legacy, and maybe a little bit about the TV show that's now on. That's absolute garbage. Um, and so, uh, so it's not that much different than the movie. Ha! No, it's funny. <laughs> I it's hate that. Weird, I, I it's such a weird movie. movie. It's such a weird movie for you to hate. Man. It's terrible, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a terrible, weird. It's, it's a terrible such a movie. nice lovely movie no it's a terrible uh, movie but okay. but you guys you guys are fan, you guys are fantastic you and morgan oh, are great you. because your your chemistry together you guys are very funny and and very very entertaining uh to to listen to so that's why people should go out necessarily you know not necessarily to see a shitty movie but for the yeah. great commentary afterwards yeah um, and it should and it should be fun i mean even you know this is um, even movies that we agree on we find things to sort of spar about yeah uh, yes. with, with each other and they're it'll seem like menial things but you know we'll have some fun with the audience yeah. uh, in our discussion as we reignite some of those things so league of their own uh wednesday the 7th uh at uh, elk grove uh, yeah in elk grove village okay. illinois i will be i will be preoccupied eric i'm sorry one i don't like the movie i understand Nick. and two <laughs> and two i'll be watching furiosa driving around so is that was that wednesday night is that yeah, happening wednesday? tuesday, tuesday, is, okay. tuesday and wednesday it's late though people can make it to both i it's think sure so you uh, probably oh, what time is mad max at 9 30 but you guys will be talking 9 at 9 30 we'll be so, talking by 9 yeah, yeah so, so it's over two yeah. hour movie i know yeah yeah, yeah. No. Is it, it's, it seems like about 10 hours. Uh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, I think honestly, though, I, I would love for you guys. I hope you guys have a huge crowd because you're very entertaining. Thank you. E Thank even you. when you're going to be talking about a bad movie, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. <laughs> so anyway. All this right. This is a reminder. This is Nick throwing his support behind you, Eric. This is I, I understand. No, I'm, I, I'm completely down with it. No, I mean, no, I'm no, no. No, seriously. This is, I mean, look, I love you guys. And I know, and, and, and I know that people, people, people inexplicably love like that fucking movie so so people will show up i mean you yes. know i'm i'm in the minority on hating a league of their own i know yes that. um but i want people to know about it because there are people who are listening right now who love that movie and would love to hear a conversation and participate in it afterwards so that's yeah. why i'm talking about it and we do play good movies at the Oak Grove uh, <laughs> series as well. So no, I know you guys often play very, very good movies. Yes. We uh, do. So all right. Anyway, uh, all right. Let's get to uh, some of the stuff that uh, we can talk about. Well, why don't we start out with uh, Eric? You have not seen The Good Boss. I have not um, seen The Good Boss. But no. uh, Steve and I have. Steve, why don't you start us off with what is The Good Boss all about, and we'll get into that. Sure. So this was this was Spain's submission for the best international feature of 2021. So we're, so it was this year's Oscars, but last year's movies. It was shortlisted, didn't get didn't get there, but it did win a bunch of Goya awards in Spain, uh, and it was nominated for some crazy like 20 awards or something. Anyway, it's the latest from uh, writer director Fernando Leone. Uh, he's worked, or sorry, Fernando de Leone de Arroyo. Uh, he is reteaming with uh, his loving Pablo star. Javier Bardem for The Good Boss. It's a, a work that takes sort of a global corporate phenomenon of placing profits and image over people, and it kind of illustrates it on a somewhat smaller scale in provincial Spain. Uh, Bardem plays a guy named Julio Blanco. He's the head of Blanco Scales, uh, a position handed down to him from his father, lest you think he actually worked for this. Um, the company has has won every major award for its accuracy of its scale products and the way management treats its employees. 
but when the film starts, everyone's kind of waiting for this committee to show up to decide whether the company's going to receive this very highly coveted business excellence award. So it's the whole movie spans the, the space of about a week and a half in the life of this company, waiting for these committee members to show up. And it, it kind of observes, observes the employees at every level of the business going through various anxieties and meltdowns. Uh, they don't know exactly when these judges are coming, so the tensions are understandably high. Uh, and naturally, Julio has to endure some of the worst crises in his company in this very small period of uncertainty, uh, most of them stemming from like the personal lives of the employees and even his own personal life, his right-hand man, and one of his oldest friends. He's having like a marriage issues because his wife wants to like sleep with somebody somebody else and it's making him screw up at the job. And then there's a disgruntled former employee who's sort of taken up residence right outside the main gate of the facility right. and is protesting loudly and constantly to get his job back. Uh, Julio even finds he has issues of his own when he's sort of attracted to one of the company's newest female interns. Um, but this guy wants to win. He wants to resolve these issues and allow this facility to be sort of put on its best face when the committee comes. So he's willing to do just about anything to make all these things go away. But he seems to be thwarted at, at every step. But he's also sort of spouting these inspirational tomes about balance and calibration and finding a way to, to, to make both things in one's personal life and work life, like make it so that you can bring the best version of yourself come forward. Anyway, um, you know, ethical practices and actually looking out for your loyal workers don't seem to fit into the occasion when this prestigious award is in line. So um, Julio kind of inserts himself into everyone else's business. It's very funny. It's kind of dark sometimes. And Bardem's performance is measured and collected. Uh, Julio is so worried about appearing in control that we can clearly see this mask begin to crack from, from all this pressure. And what we kind of learn at the end is that some of the things that he's doing that seem a little haphazard or not working are actually part of a bigger plan of his to make these things take care of themselves. Some of these things are just dumb luck that they take care of themselves. And it's very funny how some of them seem to everything sort of seems to wrap up very nicely, but not necessarily neatly at the end. Um, it's very clever. It's very humorous. Bardem is, is sly, he's slightly arrogant, he's sort of this faux compassionate portrayal uh, that kind of carries and elevates the movie. The man is a master in any language, but when he's speaking Spanish, he just like, he's weaving magic here. And um, and, that, and that's exactly what he does. Uh, it, it's, a, um, it's a it's a terrific little movie. It's about a subject you don't really think of in terms of, of comedy necessarily, uh, Nick, you might have you might be able to identify a little bit with some of the yeah, two facedness yeah. of this guy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. but it's it's a it's a cool <laughs> little movie. It's in a it's in a bunch of theaters now because theaters just need material to play. So it, you can actually find it in most Chicago theaters. But uh, the Good Boss is is indeed pretty good. I thought it was very good, man. I yeah. I, I really I really liked it a lot, and and I I would say that ninety percent of the reason why this is, movie is as good as it is is because of Javier Bardem, man. Yeah. He's just he's great. Has he ever not been good? I mean, maybe what was the, it? Maybe in the Dark Tower. The, yeah, yeah. And what about that uh, that awful Ridley Scott uh, movie with? Uh, um, well, that 
that could narrow it down to about 40. There we go. Uh, Here but, it comes. Uh, <laughs> but what the, uh, that look, the counselor. Oh, oh yeah. I like the counselor. Oh, come on, man. No, come on. We're I like his hair. October. Don't grow it. I enjoyed, I, <laughs> come on. I enjoyed his hair. I remember enjoying his hair. Yeah. He's had, that's another thing about Javier Bardem. He's had some good hair in movies. Yeah. He's had oh, hilarious yeah. hair uh, in movies. But no, uh, Javier Bardem to me is just, I could watch that guy do anything. And you're right. There is something about him speaking in his native tongue that even makes it uh, better. This is a very clever movie, I think, and a great workplace movie. And I love the fact that there's just something, you know, there's a lot of, a, a lot of, deeper significance to what this movie really is about and yes uh, er, uh steve i could <laughs> identify with some of the shit that was in this movie for sure um but I, I i love the fact that like you know that it's a company that has to do with scales that, that the symbol mm-hmm. the symbolism is not lost on anybody who will see this um it, the, <laughs> the comedy is very very smart um it, it it has some laugh out loud moments but for the most part this is just kind of a very clever um, very, very, very astute satire with a great central performance by Javier Bardem. And I do uh, want to mention, as you mentioned, the director. Uh, they've worked together before in a terrific movie where uh, Javier Bardem played uh, Pablo Escobar um, mm-hmm. in Loving Pablo, which, of course, he was in with the great, the wonderful, the unbelievable wife of his, uh, Penelope mm-hmm. Cruz. Uh, and they were fantastic in that. And this is is just as strong... Um, a, a showcase for Javier Bardem uh, than you'll get. Uh, then you'll then you'll get. I just love everything the guy does. He's great. If you're a fan of his, you definitely should see it. If you just want to see a very clever, smart uh, uh, satire that's that at times is laugh out loud funny, um, but you know very entertaining from start to finish um, with a really terrific and varied cast. I thought it was I thought it was really terrific, and it is playing in mm-hmm. uh, it is playing in movie theaters. Uh, Today it opened today in a bunch of theaters, and I be- is it on VOD or is it streaming anywhere? Or I think it's just in movies. I think it's just in theaters. I think for now it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So get out there and see it. Really, 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 really smart uh, film. And if you're a fan of Javier Bardem and who isn't, uh, you should get your ass out to the theaters to see uh, The Good Boss. I uh, I highly recommend it. So anyway, there you go. All right, Javier Bardem, he rules. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we do have a movie that is. Uh, that is on a video on demand uh, that starts uh, today on video on demand, I should say Friday. And it is a documentary um, about the horror film community. And uh, since uh, Steve and I um, are co-hosts and participants and workers with the flashback horror convention, uh, we get to spend yearly uh, a full four days with uh these people and these artists and and these fans um and so we're we're very familiar with it and i know you are as well eric um Mm -hmm. and it's a film it's a documentary called the horror crowd um eric why don't you take this one tell us about it all three of us have seen it yeah uh, the horror crowd uh refers to again it's a documentary uh director of the movie uh ruben pla is a self-proclaimed member of the horror (laughs) crowd and it it is uh basically a collection of Filmmakers, actors, uh, mostly filmmakers, uh, within the horror genre from the big screen to the small screen, uh, talking about uh, their influences, talking about uh, how some of them have hooked up with one another. And basically, the the entire crux of it is how this particular genre brings together uh, people and makes very fast friends with each other, and they're all trying to support each other and help each other out and 
all that kind of stuff. And so you have filmmakers in here like Ernest Dickerson, Russell Mulcahy, uh, and actors like uh, Lynn Shea and Claire Kramer and the, uh, Darren Lynn Boozman, director and uh, director of the Paranormal Activity movies, Orrin Pelly. Uh, and, you know, just all having conversations moving quickly from one topic uh, to another, uh, including some of the issues they've had getting films made and, uh, and all, all kinds of things like that. Uh, so, I mean, but it is more or less is kind of a B crowd of participants. This is not like your John Carpenter's and George Romero's and whatnot. And I think even the people in this film would admit that they're not on that same level. But the, the, the one thing that I was appreciative of this movie is while it, it does creep in from time to time, it's not so much a calling card so much for how great their work is. Uh, they certainly talk uh, enthusiastically now and again about each other's work and and what they like about certain things. And there are obviously films I'm sure we all have liked uh, that are mentioned in this film, uh, particularly by Russell Mulcahy, stuff like Razorback and even some of the you know, other cheesy stuff that he's done, like Highlander and whatnot. And Ernest Dickerson did Demon Knight, so he's got a, you know, a, a lifetime pass for me as far as I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, I, I, I really wish, I mean, any singular topic that goes on in this movie could have actually been, been expanded upon within their own movie. When And every time that they s start off on a topic, whether it be uh, the role of women in the, the horror community, the way that studio, studio interference has, uh, you know, plagued them from time to time and stuff like and stories like that. Those are the kind of stories you want to see expanded upon. And there is, there's, there's way too much Ruben Pla in this <laughs> movie. And if there's any, if there's certainly a calling card, not that he's some major person on the horror scene. He's just, he's worked a few times with a lot of these people and wanted to give them their own platform, but he really inserts himself a lot. Uh, sometimes he just, you know, turns the camera around and he's there. He is, and you know, and he's on the couch talking with these people. So there's a little, a little bit of him kind of goes a long way. And I wish he had kind of pulled back and really focused a few more on a few of the more interesting characters. I mean, I, I don't know how everyone feels. I know Steve, you worked with, not worked with, but, you know, Darren Lynn Boozman's been at the Music Box mm -hmm. a few t more than a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he's a good director at all. And so, like, hearing him talk about, you know, his craft and whatnot, I'm just like, well, move on to the next person, because I'm really not interested in this. But Mulcahy's done interesting stuff. Dickerson has. I'm not a fan of the Paranormal Activity movies, but I am of the Final Destination movies. And, you know, I, 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 I think this is an easy watch, sometimes a frustrating one, uh, but I think it will go down smooth with the horror crowd, in, you know, that is uh, certainly its own community, particularly the fandom. Uh, and you, you guys do a lot more flashback stuff than I have over the years, but, you know, Steve and I have talked many times about how, you know, sometimes they're a little too enthusiastic about their horror community, and it, sometimes you got to pull back a little bit to recognize what is great and what is mediocre. Uh, it can't all be on the same plane, and I kind of feel the same thing about this documentary as well. Okay, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, the one the one group that's represented here that Eric left out, but I think it's kind of critical, uh, are the journal the film journalists that are interviewed here because they're these are guys that specialize in horror journalism, and I think 
horror journalism more than any other kind of film journalism, it's actually expected that you make friends with all these filmmakers. Whereas other kinds of film journalism, you're supposed to kind of keep a bit of a distance, but like that's, that's not the case. And I think that's Ruben Pla, I think is, is primarily a journalist. And there are many journalists interviewed here who consider themselves part of this crowd. This movie should have been called, called the called, sorry, this movie should have been called the LA horror crowd because that's really mm. what this is. There's almost nobody outside of LA represented in this movie. And there definitely is a community there. We, I mean, our friend Heather Wixom, who, who sometimes co-hosts Flashback, Flashback Weekend with us, is part of that crowd without a doubt. And there's a guy in this movie named Ryan Turek who works for Blumhouse, who is kind of the a linchpin of this community to a certain point, Who because he used to be a journalist, and now he works for Blumhouse uh, doing development. And he's kind of the, 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 the... Everyone kind of looks to him as like, oh, man, I'd love to have that job. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's like he, now. There's other things too that. that so, like, I, I this the, you mentioned, Dar, uh, sorry, Darren Lynn Bousman as as like his. You don't like his movies, that, and that's fine. Most of his movies are garbage, but um, this this film has almost nothing to do with how good the movies are. It's about the community. Right. It's about like the the interactivity and the sort of ancestral nature of this community and. Um, the product itself has very little to do with what they're talking about. And um, it, I'm also a little, I just, as a side note, a, a little turned off by the fact that they included Eric England in this. He's one of the interviewers. He's a filmmaker. He's on a couple movies. He's also had some pretty hefty uh, sexual abuse yeah. allegations yeah. weighed against him. And I'm kind of shocked he's in this. Although yep. weirdly, in the I noticed in the press materials, even though they list pretty much everyone that's interviewed, they don't list him. Yeah, so, of course, of course not. Um, yeah. So, so I'm just like I'm really curious about why they included him at all, but it's probably just because he's one of Ruben's friends, and that's. Um, but anyway, I, I was th this this movie is really disjointed. It's choppy. They Eric said they don't really ever let a topic take seed and actually grow a little bit. He's just jumping on to the next thing. Sometimes he juxtaposes two interviews and they, I don't know why, like I can't figure out the subject matters aren't the same. So I'm not sure why he's putting them side by side the way he does it. I don't know. This is kind of a messy documentary. It's basically just Ruben Plog going, look at me and all my friends and like, okay, well done. And, and your friends, some of them, I look, I'm friends with some of these people. I'm not going to lie. Like Mike Mendez and I go way back, but like, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't make a movie about it, <laughs> but uh, there you go. So yeah, I didn't yeah. really like this. I didn't like it either. Uh, and and uh, you know you're right. I mean it, it is exclusively about that. I mean there's a whole segment about a, a, a trivia night at this uh, mm -hmm. at this place that they that they hung out at and and like who gives a shit? I don't care. And they talk about oh there's 75 people in there and blah blah blah. And Ruben Pla is is uh, you know yes started out as a journalist but he fancies himself an actor. Um, you know, he shows up in small roles in a bunch of these movies. He was just in that piece of shit, Malignant, because he knows uh, what's his ass, because <laughs> uh, he worked on his yeah, first yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. And so he's in that. And this guy is a born actor. He's not a filmmaker. He's clearly not a documentarian because this is not really this is as this is as sloppy a documentary as you'll possibly get. I mean, it barely it barely qualifies as a documentary. Uh, it's very cheaply made. Uh, the voiceover sound, I mean, look on the technical level, the sound is qu the sound quality is terrible. The voiceovers, <laughs> the voiceover sounds like he recorded in a bathroom. Um, 
And, you know, and he's in every, like, every interview he's a part of it. He's either on the couch or they cut back to him a bunch of times. Um, And it's like, okay, cool, dude. You know these guys. I'm happy for you. But if you're going to make a documentary, you know, interviewing these people, most documentarians, except he's like the Michael Moore of low-budget horror documentary filmmaking. He wants to be in every goddamn shot. Um, And so if you're going to – and a lot of the topics are interesting. Like, what was your first horror movie, even though – there is a segment in the movie when he asked people what was the first movie that you, horror movie that you saw. There's 27 responses that are The Exorcist. And then, you know, like inevitably he cuts to the scene where the pee, you know, vomiting, the vo- you know, like the scene that you've seen mm-hmm. eight million times. There is nothing in this movie that hasn't been done better a million times before. Um, now, to the people that he's interviewing, which I, which I find, because his interviewing style, to me, like is non-existent. Like he's there. Uh, to like chat and to show himself on camera going, hey, look, I'm friends with Lin Shay. Isn't that cool? We're on the same <laughs> couch together. And that's mostly what it was. I don't think he was genuinely interested. It was like he had what, what I looked like was like he probably jotted down some notes. Oh, let's talk about your first movie. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about uh, the studio. Let's talk about all these general, general basic topics that any idiot could write down, you know, in their notes. And he did that without asking any, you know, like, the, you know, the most interesting stuff in the movie. First of all, you get people like Lynn Shea, who's a great, terrific actress. Uh, and her story, you know, which I've known before about how, you know, she's younger brother. She's, her older brother is Bob Shea, the guy who basically started New Line. And that's how she got in to the movies and has gone on to do so many great things. And she turned out, to, I mean, she's the landlord in Kingpin, for Christ's sake. So she's going to live on forever. <laughs> um and Greg Grunberg is in this, you know, who's been in every, map, you know, J.J. Uh, Abrams thing. Um, and he has some nice stuff to say. You mentioned Ernest Dickerson. These are the most interesting people, and they're not really asked any interesting questions. The, I think the most interesting stuff in the movie comes from Russell Mulcahy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, I, I find his story to be fascinating, and he doesn't get interviewed a lot. I don't know how the hell he nailed this guy. Is he friends with him? Maybe that's how he did it. But you don't see a lot of of them. I know, but you don't see like (laughs) Russell, but all these other people pop up on everything. Anything Eli Roth produces, these motherfuckers are in it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Any kind of talking head thing. These people are all over it. But Russell Mulcahy, I'm like, where did that come from? Even Ernest Dickerson pops up all over the place. But Russell Mm -hmm. Mulcahy, you don't see very often. So like his stuff was great. And then it was maddening because like Russell Mulcahy pulls out his eight. At one point, he pulls out his very first eight millimeter camera that his mother bought for him. This wind up, mm-hmm. in which he describes the first movie he ever made, and they show a couple of stills of him as a kid. And you know, and while they're interviewing people, they would cut to, to generic clips of their work, like Lynn Shay. Oh, she's the teacher. They show a quick clip of her as the teacher in Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, the Ernest Dickerson. They show a cut of. They show a clip of of, of whatever he's been working on. Um, but with Russell Mulcahy, they show like a picture of Razorback and they talk a little bit about, you know, how, you know, Highlander, how intimidating it was when Sean Connery walked in, all this stuff, great stories. But he talks about the very first movie he made and he describes how he went frame by frame on this little eight millimeter film where he would scratch. He wanted this, the demon to be like electric, like the, the evil villain mm-hmm. was to shoot like electricity. So he went and he talks about how he went frame by frame and scraped the film itself to make it look like, as it ran through the projector, to make it look like electricity and sparks were flying off this thing. Okay, why not, Mr. Pla, why not get that fucking footage? (laughs) Why not show that footage? You know, have him describe it and then show it instead of showing the pea soup scene for the 90th time from The Exorcist. This is how uninspired this movie is. It's like, immediately when he's telling that story, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going, okay, we need the film. 
we need this. And that's what you add to it. But this guy, like, that's an afterthought because, you know, like him talking about scraping the film is vastly uninteresting to him because it's not about the group of people he hangs out with. It's not a story about hanging out on trivia night with all these other people. That's what he's more concerned with. Instead of like a really great moment where this filmmaker is describing something he did when he was a kid and you can have access to that footage on, you know, unless he, unless Russell McKay, he said no, but it wouldn't seem like he would, uh, but you're more concerned with showing, you know, like footage of a trivia night uh, at some, at some bar. I don't know. But that, to me, sums up everything that you need to know about this movie. Um, and, and it is as generic. It, it does not bust the doors off of any kind of, why do you watch horror? Why are horror fans the way they are? Oh, they're outcasts. And it tries to do that, and it doesn't. It's a guy who knows a bunch of people who have been in a bunch of other documentaries, and in this one, he gets to sit on the couch with them. That's basically what this movie is. <laughs> I'm not even sure why Russell Mulcahy is in this movie. Well, he's I mean, not part... He's not part of this. I'm not. I'm not saying his stories aren't great. I'm saying he's not part of this crowd. No, he's, he's not. not. Like and, he's completely separate from exactly. everything they're talking and, about. And I mean, and, and technically, <laughs> he doesn't make horror movies. Razorback's not yeah. really a horror movie. I mean, there's yeah. scary elements in it, but it's not a horror movie. So Highlander is certainly not a fucking horror movie. You know what I mean? And the stuff <laughs> that he's been known for. And yes, and 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 by default, he's the most interesting dude in the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, but uh, anyway, I, I don't. I it does not represent as far the horror crowd that I know is not represented in this movie. And I found it massively. Mm-hmm. Dis- I found it massively disappointing. Okay. All right. So that's uh, the uh, the horror crowd. All right. So. Um, uh, let's move on, um, to, uh, honk for Jesus, save your soul, which is, I guess the big movie that is opening in theaters, um, this week. And it's also on Peacock, right? It's on Peacock. Same day on Peacock, right? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the response. Yes. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> uh, I didn't, okay. I didn't actually know. So. Okay. All right. Well, I, 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 I thought it was same day. I thought it was Peacock and yes. theaters. So there you go. All right. It's honk for Jesus, save your soul. Um, and, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us about, uh, honk for Jesus, save your soul. Yeah. Okay. So this is allegedly a, uh, satirical comedy, uh, starring <laughs> Regina Hall, word allegedly. uh, starring Sorry. Regina Hall as <laughs> Trinity Childs, who's a, the proud first lady of a, of a Southern Baptist mega church who, who she runs with her husband, the pastor Lee Curtis Childs, who's played by Sterling K. Brown. Uh, they together once served a congregation in the tens of thousands, but after a sex scandal forces them, the church to, to close temporarily, uh, the two of them sort of re- try to plan to reopen the church and rebuild their congregation to make the biggest comeback that uh, commodified religion has ever seen. So they hire, uh, because they're so confident this is going to happen, they hire a documentary crew. So what we're watching mostly is the crew's footage um, of them uh, doing this. But occasionally it cuts to, unless I'm remembering it wrong, it kind of cuts to things that the documentary crew isn't capturing sometimes, which no, I you're, never... No, you're, 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 you're remembering that correctly, Steve. They don't, yes. they don't ever explain that. But anyway, yes. So, yes. Um, so anyway, they're sort of threatened from all fronts. This comeback is threatened from all fronts, from a rival church with a couple of young co-pastors at the helm, uh, there's judgmental former congregants, and there's the specter of this scandal. It still looms very large over uh, the good pastor Childs. Um, 
like I said, they allowed this documentary crew to film what they believe is going to be a comeback. But but how many times does something unexpected or, or unwanted happen in this movie where one of them, one of the childs calls out, oh, cut, cut. We don't want to we don't need to film it like that. That kind of gets old really fast. And then, of course, the crew, the film crew most of the time doesn't cut or at least their microphones are live or something. So, of course, we we still get the moment. So I'm not even sure why we go through the artifice of pretending like this is off the record. But anyway, the, the film is is filled with unconvincing laughter and positivity and apologies and pleas for forgiveness. And I got to say, even for these two actors, I got to say, for the most part, the acting is really bad in this. And I'll give Hall a little credit for one particular monologue where she seems to open up perhaps a little too much when her husband isn't around. But besides that, I was just like, I was in pain watching this movie. It, it feels unfinished. It, it, it feels like, I, again, we, we use the word choppy with the last movie, but this feels choppy too, primarily because of these constant calls for cut and with this documentary crew. Um, the the film uh, is from writer-director Adama Ebo, who, who I guess this was based on their 2018 short, which had different actors in it. Um, I, I am, I, I kind of, after I saw it, I went and wrote my review. I kind of went back and and looked at some of the other positive reviews. I, they must have watched a different movie at Sundance because I do not understand how anyone could get through this movie and think there's a, there's any quality here. It's not, it's not funny. It's not clever. Uh, it's, it's a mess. Yeah, I was, I, I was like, save my soul. That's what I, I need. I need some of that. <laughs> All right. Eric, Eric, yeah. What are, what are your uh, thoughts? Well, well, Steve, as you know, I did see this movie at mm -hmm. Sundance, and I clearly saw the same movie that you did. <laughs> uh, because th this is one of those movies that got lauded at Sundance that I just could not understand what people were looking at. This is one of the lamest, limpest satires uh, I have seen in, in some time. And, and, and it's such, I mean, you could just, you could blindfold yourself and put your hands over your ears I'm talking about the filmmakers, and you could come up with decent jokes to do just general basic stuff you could do about uh, satirizing a mega church. And they, they, they pull their punches throughout the entire movie. The only joke that they seem to have about the church itself and the lifestyle is the lifestyle. They, I mean, how many cutaways do they have to showing you their closets and the hats and the uniforms and all those kind of things? The only time I laughed at all is there's a there's a, this baptism scene where Sterling K. Brown strips off all his clothes and there's a reaction shot from Regina Hall. She realizes what he's doing. It's the only <laughs> time in the movie I even smiled uh, throughout. Uh, I mean, the, the, the filmmaker, Dom Abbo, doesn't even have a grasp of how to do it in the style of a mockumentary. She keeps cutting away from doing it in that style and it disrupts the flow. Well, not that there's much flow there to begin with, of the of the way that they're telling the story and the, you know the, the the satire of the movie is so muted throughout that when some of the more serious stuff starts to try to kind of creep its way in i felt like i was watching red hook summer all over again which is i think <laughs> is a terrible spike lee film and, uh, and like but so i and by the end of it when it's really trying to just go completely just jump off the rails with its satire. It it, it just sits there like a wet fart, and uh, I I'm, I was just stunned at that people were praising this movie 
at Sundance because this is was one of the worst movies that I saw there. I I I, uh, I definitely didn't like it, and I but I don't think it's as bad as you guys uh, say it is, and here's why: because I think what's what the problem with the movie is that it this whole mockumentary setup, which they drop conveniently like every ten minutes. <laughs> Which like it's like it's there and it's you know uh, and and you're right the, the whole like please turn off the camera that literally happens in every scene of the movie at least twice at least yeah. twice they look and go hey uh, can you turn it off blah 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 so that doesn't work um, at all and so whatever idea they have about this mockumentary thing it's completely inconsistent because the next thing you know there's a sex scene with them in bed and clearly that's not shot by the documentary crew. Um, or there are scenes where they're by themselves, or there are scenes where, you know, it, so the, the whole documentary uh, aesthetic is, is completely dismissed or, or, uh, dis- or, or stopped at their convenience whenever they feel the need to stop it. So stylistically, it makes no sense. It's a, it's a mess. It's not particularly funny. Um, and uh, both of the actors, the lead actors, who are, I, I love both of them. I think they're both yeah. great. I think they do have moments in this movie. And I think, uh, uh, you know, there are moments in the movie that where they're pushing for this satire that just doesn't work. There is a moment uh, that involves mime and whiteface um, that I immediately was like, look, um, this the the last time somebody attempted to do this also uh, was in uh, the city of Atlanta, where this movie takes place. It it was on the TV show Atlanta. So don't even try that. Don't even (laughs) go there because you're going to fail if you try to do something as well as Atlanta did, because you're always going to fail in that regard. But, so the satire doesn't work. But I will say this, there are a few scenes in this movie that I think do work, and they're not at all satirical. They're not at all part of the mockumentary. They are the more serious parts of the movie. There is a terrific extended sequence in this movie that involves Sterling K. Brown and a kid who is running the sound for the documentary. Uh, yeah. In a basket, in a, in a in an auditorium, in a gymnasium, in a basketball gymnasium, it is a great scene. All of the 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 stuff that's going on inside Sterling K. Brown's character, you know, the the, the corruption, the the you know, the the sexual dalliances of this uh, preacher uh, are all there. And that scene, the way it plays out, is really effective, is really interesting, and really creepy. And 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 how that scene is broke apart when 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 Regina Hall comes in is terrific. That's the movie I wanted. I wanted a serious movie about this couple and about this this church. And, you know, and I was like, man, if this one scene could be the basis for a serious screenplay directed by somebody else, obviously. (laughs) But having these two characters and this, you know, and this kid playing the sound guy back into the movie in that part. That's a movie. Like, that's a movie I wanted. There is a scene where, um, uh, for me, one of the best scenes in the movie is where, uh, uh, they, where Sterling K. Brown and uh, Regina Hall are in the car, and they start, they start singing along to the crime mob song. And I was like, that's fantastic. Like, that's a scene right there that's in a different movie. And there are moments here and there when the camera's not around, when they're not doing the mockumentary, when you've got Sterling K. Brown and you've got... Uh, Regina Hall playing it straight without the turn off the camera, without the mockumentary or the over the top satire that doesn't work when it's just them being serious, playing their characters to the hilt. It works. And I'm telling you that scene, that one extended scene in the gymnasium is fucking great. And I wish the whole movie had been that. Unfortunately, it's not. And it, it, it is not funny as a satire. It fails miserably. Um, but 
I, I mean, I don't know. And, it, and it's a complete, for the most part, it's a complete waste of two incredibly talented people. But there is something in there. I really think there's something in there that could have been a great movie. Unfortunately, it's, it, that's not what happened. So, anyway. All right. Um, all right. Well, really quickly, Jaws. What the hell? Uh, Jaws is being re-released this weekend in IMAX and in 3D. Um, and, uh, I mean, that might be, f- I don't know about the 3d thing. The whole 3d thing is weird. We'll talk about Dawn of the dead mm. as it gets closer. Cause they're re-releasing that. <laughs> and George is now, George is spinning in his grave like a lathe right now because they're doing that. But, <laughs> I can, I can um, hear him. but Jaws, Jaws <laughs> in IMAX might be fun. I don't know. Eric, are you interested at all? I know how you feel about that filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in true IMAX, I'm interested. I'm not interested in fake IMAX taking place at AMC theaters uh, across the city. Uh, I mean, I, I don't care how clear how clear they say that those IMAX screens are. That's I, I want to see IMAX as it was intended. Big, giant IMAX yeah. screen. That's how I want to see it. Yes, that interests me a great deal because, one, it doesn't matter what size it is, you're getting a, one of the best movies ever made. Absolutely. So, right. So it is. So, it, I mean, size really doesn't necessarily matter, but given that I've seen jaws in just about every other yeah. conceivable format, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the opportunity to see it on a big screen, if I can find the time to do it. Right. Uh, absolutely. I have great yeah. interest in doing it. I, yeah, me too. I, I don't think I'm going to have time because, you know, there's like 80 million movies that I'm seeing this coming mm-hmm. week. Uh, you know, uh, and two of them being Fury Road. Uh, but anyways, uh, Steve, what about you? Are you interested in going to the IMAX to check out Jaws? Or If it was just an IMAX pr- uh, presentation, yeah, I can't abide by the fake 3D, though. Well, they, no, it's not. You can't you can see it in just IMAX. There are oh, separate. Well, then, they're, then, they're separating okay, it. Then, yeah. then I would be into that. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've seen it many times on a big screen, but yeah. you're, like Eric said, it never gets old. So, well, if you know, absolutely not. And I wouldn't recommend it in 3D. And we'll talk about uh, Dawn of the Dead in, in the coming weeks because that's being released for a week in 3D. <sighs> um but uh but jaws and imax sounds like that sounds like fun to me uh and obviously yeah. if you if you want to go if you've never seen jaws on the big screen get your ass out to the theaters this week and see it it's only going to be uh for one week so uh mm-hmm. it's funny that the best movie well actually good boss is pretty terrific but the best movie of the week is you know like 50 years old so there you go <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. so what do we got next time we talk in a couple of weeks uh anything of of, of note uh, there's a new Fletch movie coming out. Ah, yes, Fletch. Uh, yeah, which well, I'm looking forward to. Greg Matolo, man. Yeah, Greg Fletch and uh, John. That's Fletch. Yeah, Pearl. John. John Ham. Pearl. Oh yeah. Come on. Pearl now. opens. Uh, yeah. The Woman King opens right. that week. Oh yeah. And uh, right. the Amazon remake of Goodnight Mommy. God. All right. Um, and and uh, by the way, Eric, we will the next yes. time we talk, you will have been to and back from Toronto. Yes, I will. Yes. Okay, so we'll we'll get a we'll get a report, uh, uh, Eric, from some of the stuff you saw in Toronto. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Great. All right, Steve, Eric, thank you guys, yes. and we'll talk to you next time. Sounds See good. Yeah. See you later. All right, there you go. There is uh, Steve. There is Eric. Those are the movies, and uh, they'll be back in a couple of weeks. And a full report from Eric uh, from his report from uh, Toronto. All right, let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon.
Come on now. Getting funky. Hi, it's Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. What the hell is happening in your hut? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing, huh? <laughs> uh, all right. Very, very cool. Well, Esmeralda is here as she is on uh, every episode of the podcast. And we always like to catch up, see how she's doing, and uh, talk about some really fun stuff. Uh, and again, if you have uh, comments or questions or any of that kind of stuff about uh, any of the segments, including Esmeralda's uh, and mine, uh, voicemail us, 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, what do you got going on the, this weekend, Esmeralda? Uh, I'm going to go see some movies. Now, there's a, there's a special reason why you're going to yes. see some movies. Uh, and this is a thing that, you know what? I, I, we just spoke with Eric. And with Steve, and mm-hmm. we didn't, we did not mention this once. I can't. Oh wow! <laughs> so uh, we should well, because, mention it now because you you all see movies to see them, like you and see we, them and, and for the we, love of it. We do, and we also, and this is you know, we see them for free ninety percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time. So, <laughs> so yeah, so this news, but this is great for people who don't, you know, and and a lot of the a lot of people have. Not really going back to movies because you know, like COVID shut a lot of people, lot, shut it down. Mm-hmm. People are still people are still a little intimidated to go to movies, um, and uh, also there haven't been as many movies released because of what's been going on the past couple of years, and prices have gone up, and it's more expensive just to go to the movies and to buy concessions and all that stuff. But there is a big thing happening Saturday that you're going to take advantage of, and why don't you tell us all about what's happening on Saturday? Yeah, so it is National Cinema Day. Yeah, which I'm amazed that y'all didn't talk about. <laughs> I, isn't it, I mean, seriously, I can't. I can't. Well, we we talked. We talked about a. We talked about that uh, a really bad documentary, a low budget uh, documentary about horror movie uh, fans. We mm-hmm. talked about that extensively, and that's only available on VOD on video on demand. And we didn't talk about going out to the movies. But you and I are rectifying that situation right now. Yes. Uh, so it is National Cinema Day on right. Saturday, September 3rd, right. and movie theaters are celebrating, and so they are giving away, well, they're not giving away, but they're charging $3 for uh, tickets. Yes. And uh, according to, so there's an article with NBC Chicago, uh, they say over 40 theaters in the Chicago area are going to be doing the deal. So it's... Uh, AMC's, I think it's all the AMC's, and they're only doing they're only doing matinees. Um, but I did look up the Showplace Icon, Showplace mm-hmm. Icon theaters, and there's mm-hmm. I know there's one on Roosevelt. There is one on Roosevelt in, uh, the, in the South Loop, yeah. Yeah, they're doing all the showtimes. And I know that some of the other theaters, I believe my buddies over at the Logan are doing that too. The Logan Theater. Uh, in Logan Square, the yes. lovely Logan Theater. I yeah. believe all day they're doing three dollars. Yeah, they have a three dollar tickets. So, I mean, you can just you can do a quick Google uh, National Cinema Day, and like a million articles come up. Um, but I know for sure the Showplace Icons, the AMC's. So you can just make it easier on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chains, and then they're also doing five dollar popcorn sodas and stuff like that. Man, that's great. And I hope that gets people to come out more. Um, and I know that a lot of people have not been doing this, but this is a great reason to get your ass 
back into a movie theater. And I, and oh, I yeah, under, for sure. I can understand why, you know, financially it's a little bit tough and yeah. people, are st- people are still kind of unsure. Even people yeah. are, are, are unsure about going back. You know, you can wear your masks. They clean the places. It's, it's, it's safe in that regard. Um, so yeah. I hope people take advantage. It's three bucks for, for first-run movies. That's a great, great deal. Yeah, because you know what? I was looking at just regular, at least at the AMC, regular um, prices for a matinee is $12. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> to Absolutely. me, that's like, oh, my God, that's a lot. It's, it's so 15, $3 is a steal. 15 bucks is average. And some, that's some theaters crazy. are sometimes are a little bit more. Some theaters are, are a little bit less. But your average, your your, your median price that you're going to pay if you yeah. you know is fifty. It's it's like you're going to drop fifteen bucks on a ticket usually, maybe a little less or a little bit more. I mean, and that's that theater, if you're by yourself. That yeah. Oh no, that's I know that's what I'm saying. Imagine if you're bringing ticket. family, you're bringing I, everybody, and no one's paying except you. <laughs> like, it's always amazing to me, as, Esmeralda, <laughs> whenever I go to a movie. And I see like a family with kids and they've all got concessions and they've got candy and they've got pop and they've got popcorn. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, how much did this cost this family? And not only that, I mean, gas is five bucks a gallon if you're going to drive to the yeah. theater. So it's, this, is a, this is a cool thing. Three bucks to get in, five bucks for concessions. Um, get out there and you know and see and see some movies. There's there's, there's stuff out there that that's definitely worth seeing, for um, sure. And then I will say that it isn't like f- a flat three dollars. Um, most places like a tax or whatever. Sure. Um, but it's still cheaper. It's still way much, cheaper. Much cheaper than a regular price ticket. Um, uh, have you yeah, decided- and I'm looking have- like the landmark in Chicago, which is a nice theater, like down, t- not downtown, but like Clark and on Divi- the north uh, Clark, side. Clark and Diversity, yeah, Clark and Diversity. Yeah, so you can you can make a night of it. Yeah, there's <laughs> you can go see a movie, and then you have money to go buy dinner. Yeah, there's a lot of places to eat around there. There's a lot of places to eat around. Uh, like if you go, I think Regal is offering it too. Uh, and if you look up Regal Cinemas, uh, the Regal City North. Yeah, and, and that's doing it. And I think they're also doing the IMAX. They are. Uh, they're doing the doing the IMAX. And we were discussing uh, that Jaws is re released this weekend in IMAX. Yeah. Um, so you could see that, and there are a lot of great places to eat um, at around City North, including uh, like if you want a great Italian beef, Al's is like uh, like a block away from there. Al's Beef, one of the greatest, one of the best nice. Italian beef places, yeah, is right there. Um, yeah, so they um, so Regal is uh, if you go to their little you know you just search their website regmovies.com, they have a little sign it says every movie every showtime every format so yeah you could go see an IMAX movie for three bucks man that's on Saturday September third that's pretty amazing man and <laughs> because and, and, how much are those those are like crazy twenty bucks more twenty bucks Woo! twenty bucks and and you know what I mean I know it's old but like Jaws and IMAX for three bucks come on. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. I mean, that's guaranteed a good movie. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> that, you know For what I mean? Sure. Like you and already then to get know. To see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at the Regal, um, an IMAX ticket to go see Jaws, regular price is twenty one seventy two. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's IMAX. So you're gonna you're gonna pay extra for IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Go so, see all the movies. So what are you going to see? Have you picked anything out? So we're going to go see, and I know you didn't like either, neither of these. Okay. <laughs> uh, Colin wanted to go see Nope. I, oh. I haven't seen Nope. Yeah. He wants to watch it again, and then we're going to see Bullet Train. <laughs> God. Okay. Um, 
We now, actually might go see more movies because can I, can the I make AMC a had the the AMC had the just the um, matinees. So yeah. I might suggest we go see well, something can I suggest, later in the night. Can I suggest a movie that's bombing that no one's going What's to that? see? Uh, can I suggest uh, Three Thousand Years of Longing? Um, that's the George Miller's new movie, um, mm-hmm. which I I personally think is the best movie of the year so far. Um, it's with uh, Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, um, and it's his George Miller's follow up to Fury Road, even though it's nothing like <laughs> Fury Road mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, but I think it's it, it's it, it's an extraordinarily uh, beautiful um, and like deeply moving film. Um, like profoundly beautiful. So, and no one's going to see it. And and I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised at all. Like it's tanking so it won't be out there for, mm-hmm. you know, like it, like by next week or the week after it'll definitely be gone. So, yeah. if if anybody gets a chance, I mean, three even if you don't even if it's too weird for you, you think it's goofy, you're only dropping 3 bucks on it. Yeah. Um, and I personally it's it's the movie that profoundly moved me more than anything I've seen this year. So, um, so if you're going to drop three bucks out there, if you're listening uh, in podcast land, um, I highly, highly recommend um, seeing 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, I mean, three bucks, you can't beat it. So, By the way, you know what I'm, I'm loving lately is mm. the fact that there is now uh, captioning on some showings. Oh, yeah. Movies. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love it because I sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what they just said. <laughs> well, you can get I, the- on my TV. Captions are always on. Oh, Captions really? Are always oh, on. I would, oh, man, that would drive me nuts. That's, that's how it is at my, at my parents' house. My dad can't hear shit. So um, the TV in the kitchen, they got a TV in the kitchen, and that's the one that's, mm-hmm. always, that's always on with subtitles. Yeah, I put subtitles on every, oh, God, everything no, I, I watch would. because I can't. So, <laughs> there's, sometimes I'm just like, I, I, didn't, I have no clue what they said. Like mumble yeah. mouth McGee on the screen, yeah. I couldn't tell you what they just said. <laughs> yeah, well that that's when that's when the uh, the DVR comes in handy um, because if you've got like a if you've got the box with the DVR, you can just rewind it. Yeah, and then I'm trying to still figure out what they said. Oh, re- okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? <sighs> just put it down there on the bottom. I'll read it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, they do have cl- they do have the clap the, the closed captioning thing option that you can get when you go to the movies. Um. Uh, so yeah, and I, and that's not extra. They don't charge extra for that. So there you go. All right. Well, cool. Uh, you're going to see two movies I hated. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, wow. All right. Cool. If you get a chance, uh, mm-hmm. try try to see Three Thousand Years of Longing. Uh, I know okay. the Logan. I know it's play, I know it's still playing at the Logan. And if Logan Logan is doing three dollars all day all night, so maybe if you guys are you know. You know, if, if, if you're hungry for another movie later at night, check yeah. it out. Colin's always trying to get me to go to the movie theater. Right. And I just cannot justify. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't I justify that. paying for that, especially I, yeah. if it's not anything that's going to be worth seeing on a giant ass screen. Well, it, it, all George Miller movies are worth seeing on the big screen. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like that, there, if, if there's one filmmaker out there right now whose movies are meant to be seen on the big screen, mm-hmm. It's George Miller. It's 3,000 years. 3,000 years is, is it's necessary to get the full effect to see that on the big screen. It's gorgeous. So, yeah. 
But anyway, all right, well, three bucks. Uh, check your local listings, uh, Regal Theaters, AMC Theaters, some local theaters, including the Logan and some of the other theaters. $3, some cases just matinees, some cases all day, all night. Three bucks and mm-hmm. deals on concessions. Get your butt back out to the movies. So that's cool. Yeah. All right, even though you're seeing two bad movies, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright that sounds like a fun weekend cool um, alright so um, you want to hear more lies here and then we'll get into some organic food which also lies every once in a while sure alright uh, let me uh, let me oh wait a minute Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, Hi. and I love Hi, Nick's Carrie. show. Hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Hi, Russell, I know. and I Hi, Carrie. love I, Nick's show. I think she wanted you to say hi to her. That's why she was. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you asthma. That's right. Okay, you ready? Yes. Here are some lies, liars, and frauds. That's what this, oh, wow. that's what this chapter is. From the book, Are You Shitting Me? 1,004 Facts That Will Scare the Crap Out of You. Okay. Here's another fact. Mm. A person, a person's dying words are often admissible in court, thanks to an old legal concept that a person would not lie with his dying breath. Hmm. That's true. You think that's true? You don't think I somebody, could see that somebody would lie right to the end? Like, do you really think when Trump yeah, dies, like, he's going to tell the is... truth? Do you really think? Well, no, he... but he doesn't care at all. <laughs> Like his lies are just his lies right. are truth. <laughs> Most people lie because they're hiding something. He just right. like he's straight it's up second lying nature. It's second nature to make it yeah to yeah. make it real or whatever yeah. to himself. But yeah. I would think I could see that because like you're dying, you will know you're not here anymore. You're done. Right. You could say whatever done, you want. Gone. Yeah. So you might as well leave with something or whatever. Like somebody, I mean, somebody some comes people. To, somebody comes to visit you on your deathbed. You go. You know what? I never liked you. I mean, yeah, are you kidding You're me? You're an asshole. I don't like you. <laughs> I mean, I would expect you should do that if you, like, if you know you're going to die. Yeah. Just start, like, you know, a la half-baked, fuck you, fuck right. you, you're cool. Right. You're like- cool. That's the greatest <laughs> quitting scene in the history of movies. Oh, yeah. No, That's no, no. The greatest I, quitting I reference scene. at any time <laughs> quitting anything, um, but... <laughs> I could see I could see how the, how people would then take that as truth. Right. Okay. So a person's dying words. That's still on the books though, by the way. It's still admissible in court. Isn't that amazing? I'll Isn't keep it, that we, in it, mind. Here, <laughs> <laughs> Just for my I'll keep that in, in mind. Case, in case you mur- you're gonna murder someone. Hey, um yeah. uh, by the way, we that's another thing that we should probably look into at some point, Esmeralda, find some articles about that. About these crazy laws that are still on the books. There are some really insane laws that are still out there uh, that were, you know, put on the books, you know, hundreds of years ago that that Mm -hmm. are still in there. And I know that some of them are ridiculous. And I know that there are certain laws like in different states that are still there. Like you can't there are certain places like certain laws that were passed, like you can't uh, whistle after six o'clock. In certain places. Like, it's that ridiculous. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of those that, that are a lot of fun. But, yeah, person's dying words, still admissible in court. Interesting. Well, because also the thing is, isn't that, isn't that he, what is it, hearsay or something? Like, if you, oh, yeah, so-and-so said this. Yeah, that's hearsay. That cons- so then how would, the, 
Like, well, how do unless you, you use like, the unless dying you like words. record their dying words, like if right. you got, if you record who's it, who's doing going, that? Well, if you know <laughs> that you're going to be going to court for something and you want this dead person to, you know, say something. I know you're dying, but speaking to this microphone can you clearly, speak into please. This microphone, can you do me? Can you do me a solid before you croak? Oh can you? God. Can you help me get out of this lawsuit? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, how about this? In an experiment intended to replicate a survival of the fittest scenario, robots learn to lie to each other about the location of food resources in order to improve their own chances of survival. Wait a minute, who do? It said, this is an experiment intended to replicate survival of fittest scenarios, and in it, robots learn to lie to each other about the location of food resources. So robots learn to lie to each other. That's, That's the AI, man. That's, coming to, coming that, to get us. that yeah. sounds like they're they're starting to be sen- sentient. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Hal. Yeah, like pod. that sounds uh, a little too. No, they're learning s- to know. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dave. I I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> no, I don't like that. <laughs> no, I don't like that don't they like- learned to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't. What are you doing, Dave? So. As soon as you hear that's a robot a start singing Bicycle Built for Two, we're all fucked. That's pretty much what, <laughs> that's pretty much what it comes down to. How about this? Rosie Ruiz cheated her way to first place in the 1980 Boston Marathon by running onto the course uh, about a mile before the finish line. I totally remember that story. And I don't think she's the only one who's done that. Hold on. Nobody noticed? So she no, I guess nobody noticed. So what she did Isn't was she there probably people along that entire stretch. I would gasp. I guess what she did was she checked in at the beginning, got her number and stuff, mm-hmm. and then ducked out and about a mile before the end of the course, jumped back on and crossed the finish line. And she went. She won first place in 1980 on the Boston Marathon. Now, did she at least make it look real? She was probably yeah. She probably doused herself in water to make it look like sweat. Yeah, and but she, also, like, did she run at a time that would make sense? Or it's like, no, 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 I did it in, like, 20 minutes. an hour. <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. that fast. I can, <laughs> I can do 26 miles in 15 minutes. I don't know if you know that or not. but uh, Oh, but you yeah. can do hours? Oh, sorry. I don't, think she, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't think she's the only one. I think other people have done this. I think other people have cheated. Not maybe to, to their, not their way to first place. But I think mm-hmm. some people have cheated their way to saying they finished a marathon by ducking out and then like jumping in okay. a car and going. What to kind the of person line. are you? You need to lie about something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, that, that, I mean, for, first of all, that doing a marathon is a. I mean, that's a personal thing. I mean, that's something that you challenge yourself to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just finishing a marathon is what it's all about. Nobody really does it. Like nobody, nobody I know who has run the Chicago Marathon did it because they thought they were going to win. You know what I mean? They did it right as a or, personal. Or even like you personal... said, though, like you said that some some of the people who cheated it probably didn't win. Yeah, but so still, are they what... just for the like? Oh yeah, I ran a marathon. Like no right. one cares. I mean, that's just so lame, right? <laughs> that's so lame. It's like no one cares. You thought people would care that you ran a marathon? Yeah. Get over yourself. <laughs> You know, and you then bo- they wouldn't they didn't even run it. They cheated. It's like, oh, yeah. wow. You know, before you started working at uh, the car wash with me, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the lovely women that did traffic uh, for me was Elizabeth Brown. Mm-hmm. 
um, who now her last she been married now she's uh, goes by Liz Biddle. Okay, um, she is a major league runner. Like I used to talk to her about it all the time. She she started traffic and then she did news at the car wash and then she's done mm-hmm. news and traffic. At, she's been in the radio business for a long time and um, and uh, she's also a professional ghostbuster. She's in the uh, Ghostbusters Society. Oh wow! She's a major league Ghostbusters. But anyway, she's she's a fantastic uh, 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 fantastic gal, and mm-hmm. she is a major runner. Like the, the the person that I know personally that runs the most ever. Like is her and she's run the Boston marathon and she's finished it like for real and done the Chicago marathon many, many times and runs. If I know she like screwed up her ankle a little bit in the past Mm -hmm. years, but she is one of these people that a day runs like 20 miles a day, 15 miles a day. That's disgusting. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. And let me tell you something. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I see Liz every once in a while. We talk to each other a lot on, on Facebook and stuff because, you know, mm-hmm. she used to be on my show all the time, and I think she's fantastic. Um, if I were to tell her that someone cheated in a marathon just to finish, I think she'd find that person and kill them. I, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, <laughs> she's she puts in the work and then someone's like, I'm going to I'm just going to get in this Uber. And it's it's an <laughs> achievement. You know what I mean? It's like an achievement personally. To, to people who run this. I know to Liz, it's a big deal. Like to finish a marathon, that's a big deal. And like, you're t- you know, like the time obviously is something that, that you know, you're, you can be proud of. But just to finish a marathon is personally like, that's a thing. It's an accomplishment, not just physically, yeah. but mentally and psychologically. It's an achievement. And for people to just go, yeah, I'm going to run through the woods and then come out like, what? <laughs> I, would, I would like, um, I hate running. I yeah, despise too. it so much. Yeah, me too. So me too. kudos to her because I never know. I was on cross country in high school. Freshman year. I'm not kidding. No, thanks. No, I, I lasted one year and I went, yeah, no, that's not going to happen anymore. No, thank you. We had to run um, every year. They made us run a mile um, like for testing or something. Yeah. Because uh, we had the, um, what is it? The American fitness test or some sure. crap like that. <laughs> um, but we had to run. No, because I remember it was like you right. had to do toe touches and dumb oh, shit like you, that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you, I know exactly. What you're I remember Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger was the yeah. uh, the spokesman, like, the yep. rep of it. Yeah, the spokesman. Yep. Whatever. Yep. I hated it. Yep. I always just made up the numbers. <laughs> Good for you. I'm with you. I was man. just like, I'm this is you. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I remember we had to run the mile. And then we did a diff. We did the Tiger Mile, so it was like a little bit more than a mile, because we didn't really have the space to run like a like a straight mile. You had to like run around a track two times, and then you'd go this way. And so they they just they were just like, "This is the Tiger Mile." It's like, ugh, it was the bane of my existence. Yeah, I hated it so it's, much. It's insane that I was on cross country, considering how much I hate to exercise and run and shit. I hate it. I'm with you 100. Yeah. percent But when I was like. What I, the reason why I joined cross country was because I was going to a new school and I didn't know anybody. Okay. Um, and I was going to Luther North. There's nothing else to do. Well, here was the thing. It was like they were, you know, you know, like when I, cause I, 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 all of my friends, this was a very traumatic thing for me. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like between summer, between eighth grade and freshman year of high school, um, Mm-hmm. my parents were like, I told you this story before. My parents were like, you're not going to Lakeview. You're not going to Lane because all of the people you hang out with uh, in grade school now are pothead drunk idiots. 
and you're not yeah. going to hang. No, you're, you're... I could see that, but I'm just like, there's so, a lot of extracurricular what... activities. Yeah, but when I went there, <laughs> but here's here's why they here's what, why they suggested it when I went there because I was like, you know, I, I don't know anybody, none of my friends. I was all of all of the friends that I had for nine years because I went to Hamilton grade school. I went there for nine years, and so mm-hmm. you know, so these were kids in my neighborhood that I knew I was never going to see them on a daily basis anymore. And so you know, um, so when we went, I toured the school and I talked to a couple of counselors, and they were like. We understand one of them was very, very cool uh, and uh, also happened to be the, the coach of cross country. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but was saying, like, look, I understand that these are all this is new to you. But here's the deal. If you join football, which, of mm. course, look at me and imagine me as well. Imagine me even smaller. OK. You know no. what I mean? Like I'm talking no about football. Like, no, I'm not going to play fucking football. Like and 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 there were a couple, and then the other one was cross country. And they were like, if you join cross country, you will uh, start earlier than everybody else, which means that you will make friends with the people on cross country. You will, by the time school actually starts and orientation begins, you will already mm-hmm. know the school. You will already have been here. You will, you will know the school and you will know the facilities and you will have already met a certain amount of people. And I got to say, it was great. Because I joined cross country, I dropped. I, I didn't even. I didn't even last the whole season. I dropped after. I dropped after like three meets. Um, <laughs> but and I dropped. And, and but but it was great because I. They were like so. I met like thirteen, fourteen uh, guys on the cross country team. We were sharing the locker room with the football team, so I met the guys on the football team. Um, I met coaches and I met teachers. I knew the whole school. So on the first day I was showing people where lockers were, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I knew where stuff was. So I got to say it was an, it was an, an amazing way to, you know, be comfortable, uh, with getting into the school. And then I dropped out because I didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> because I had made friends elsewhere. Right. I was like, so, but, but we used to run from, uh, do you know where Luther North is? Um, no. Well, we used no. to run for, we used to run cause Portage Park is right there. Portage Park is at Irving and Central. So you know okay. where that is, Irving and Central. Yeah. So, uh, um, Luther North is about four blocks away from there. Three, three, four blocks away from Port, from Portage Park. So when we would run, we would run around for, for practice, for cross country practice. If we weren't mm-hmm. running around the football field, uh, we would run around Portage Park. And then like the big thing was every once in a while we would run from Portage Park to Wells Park. Oh God! And back? No. Yeah. <sighs> so imagine that. That was like one of our practices. Like one of our, you know, like, hey, we got a meet coming up in a couple of weeks. We're gonna run from Portage Park to Wells Park and back. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh my God! That's those are my nightmares. That's what my nightmares are made of. Yeah. Is running for miles. Yeah. I couldn't even run a mile. I don't know what would happen. I tried to do one of those like couch to 5K things, those apps yeah, no. where you do like little no. by little. So you run a little bit, then you walk and run and walk. No. It did not stick. I couldn't do it. It no. was it was just it, torture for me. Yeah. I, I and I and I did it for like half like a half a season. Like literally I dropped out and I was like I don't care anymore. I've met a bunch of other really cool people who aren't on cross country and they're actually a lot mm-hmm. cooler than the guys on cross country. So <laughs> So I found my I I, I I you know I was I, I was able to smoothly get into high school without being traumatized. Right. And then and, and it was great. And and again, like 
I, I, I know, I, you know, on the first day of school, I was going, yeah, I know where the teacher's lounge is. I know where the closets are. I know where every room is. I know where my locker, you know, I was like old hat. It was like old hat to me. And all the freshmen were wandering around, looking around wide eyed. They didn't know anybody. I knew a bunch of people and I knew the school. And I was like, um, all right, very cool. Thank you, cross country. <laughs> and then I dropped out and I never ran again. <laughs> I was like Jerry Seinfeld in, uh, in that episode, The Race. I choose not to run. <laughs> so. God. Uh, all right. So let's get into this organic and organic labeling and stuff like that. Now, um, I don't cook nearly as much, if ever, really, for real anymore. Mm-hmm. When, I was, when I was married and when I was living with uh, a couple of the ladies that I've lived with in the past, I was always the cook, and I cooked all the time. I cooked, like, every night. Um, and so I was aware of uh, what to buy when I was grocery shopping and cared about it and all that kind of stuff. And now I don't cook as much. I eat out a little bit more than normal. Um, but you're conscientious about uh, what you buy, the groceries you buy, and 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 uh, you care about what you put into your system for the most part. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> well, but you do buy organic or you're aware of organic stuff. Uh, now for, yeah, for- I'm aware. I, I could give to I could care less. Really? <laughs> I never buy organic. It's too much money. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you in that. But some people out there. But now, but the other thing is, can you tell what have you read about or, or, or seen about where like stuff is advertised as organic or isn't? Uh, uh, have, you know, do, you, do you talk to people about that kind of stuff? Like what, you know, do you even you don't even bother? Like if you look at it and you go, I don't trust it to be organic at all. Oh, no, I don't care. Um, actually when I see the organic, I go, Oh, wrong ones. <laughs> because it's too, it's more, it's, yeah, more it's more expensive. And I'm like, forget this mess, whatever. Yeah. Give me all the pesticides, I guess. <laughs> and now it, what I, what I always find is, is like, it's interesting that like stuff is organic that you wouldn't think is organic. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I, I've seen like, like clothing that's organic. Oh right, yeah. What, well, does, that, what does that mean? Because well, cotton, cotton yeah. is grown, right? Uh, and so it's a plant first off. Um, so then they to make it grow, to make it grow more nicer, whatever. They probably, for the most part, uh, throw pesticides or whatever the hell they throw on, right? Uh, cotton. So then, yeah. In turn. If I guess you're wearing, <laughs> if it's not, I guess you're wearing clothes with um, some kind of chemicals in right. it. I don't know how long they last or how long. Yeah, I've never really looked into that. But I mean, now that I, I'm thinking about it more and more. Although, also, like, who's buying 100% cotton anything, really? Everybody's, nobody really buys, honestly. I think the only people who do buy 100% cotton are people who are conscious of those kinds of things. Yeah. And so then in turn, I would think that they would want the organic, whatever, no pesticides, whatever cotton. It, it's, it's, and you have to have like the USDA in order for, cause anybody, and here's the thing, and this is true, uh, Esmeralda, which is why you probably, mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why you stay away from it is because anybody can throw the word organic on anything. You know what I mean? Like you could, yeah. you could, you could put the word organic on any item and people will go, Oh, and then they'll probably charge 10, 15 cents extra for the item or maybe even more simply because the word yeah. organic is on it. But you have to look for specific things to see that it is certified 
organic and not just some jag off putting organic on there to jack up the price. Mm-hmm. And then it, it really depends, too, on what it is. I know the the, the articles that we found are mainly f- uh, fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, but when you get into things like – so what I do pay attention to is like eggs. I pretty much – unless I really for some reason need to get eggs and there are no – there's no way I'm ever going to get to the store where I can find the eggs I like, I always buy pasture-raised eggs. Um, because the chickens are not in cages, they're mm-hmm. free roaming, they're eating right. all the bugs. Right. They're, um, yeah, for the most part, I don't think if they're pasture-raised, they don't eat like corn and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. And you're going to pay a little so more. So it's better. You're they're pay- happier. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to pay a little more and then, but it's like not even because I get them an Aldi. <laughs> right. I pay maybe like three something, four for a 12 pack when you think about it like you break it down each egg is what like do the math with three on that three bucks and there's 12 in so it's i don't know the 15 cents an egg maybe yeah see yeah. and if you get the ones that poured tortured ass eggs <laughs> yeah well they're yeah a- they're like a dollar something and yeah i understand that's you know some people can't afford it but like they t- they taste better. Eggs, those yes, they do. And those, those like they... yolks are just like yeah. golden. No, no, no. The, um, uh, my my ex and I used to uh, buy Eggland's Best all the time. Um, and those are those are good eggs. Eggland's Best is, are are good eggs, and you can tell the difference. Um, yeah. And uh, but I mean, I normally when I do get eggs, and I I I love eggs. I love them. Um, but I normally get the regular whatever. <laughs> I normally just get. The- the because right, eggs are expensive now. I mean, everything's expensive now. But uh, but a dozen eggs, man. I mean, it's like it's like like the not the the stuff that you're talking about. The good eggs, the nice to chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. The regular regular eggs are like three bucks a, three bucks a tw- uh, for 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 a dozen now of eggs. Really? More than, oh yeah, yeah. It's real. Well, then you eggs. should just get pasture raised eggs at Aldi. Well, <laughs> That's how okay. much they cost at Aldi. Okay. <laughs> Well, here, according to this, eating well, it says these are the uh, foods that you don't have to buy uh, organically. Like these are these you like, like uh, avocados. Yeah, avocados top the uh, the clean fifteen list. Um, uh, fewer than one percent contain pesticides or anything like that. So, avocados. Um, yeah, and then also I'm going to assume that like for the most part, if they are. If they do have pesticides or whatever, it's on the skin. Yeah, of course. And, and, and you're not you eating the skin. <laughs> nobody eats the skin of an avocado. I don't know anybody. Exactly. Ever I think, um, yeah, for them, I think that's almost like the rule. Like if you just peel the skin off, you're kind of on the safer side. Yeah. And don't really have to get organic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, sweet corn. When it comes to pesticides, sweet corn is one of the cleanest conventional foods that you can buy. Less than 2% have detected pesticides, uh, pesticide residues. So you oh. can always go. With sweet corn, you can go. Uh, you can go non-organic. Interesting. Pineapples again makes sense because of, you know. Look at the outside of a pineapple. Look at the outside of a of an avocado. Yeah, although you can use the skin of a pineapple to make what is called pineapple tea, um, which you just boil the skin of the pineapple hmm. um, for like ten minutes or something, and you get like this tea essentially it's supposed to be really good because there's a lot of nutrients that you don't get 
that's oh, okay. in the skin okay. that you don't get from the pineapple. Pineapple. You tea. can also make some like fermented drink. Called, you know, it's like you... it's Mexican. I've I've seen like people do it online, but they use the skin for it. You could you could probably use every single part of every fruit or vegetable now. Like especially with people. I mean, especially with these uh, you know these mixers and stuff where you can just throw everything in. Uh, oh yeah, I don't. I don't. Do I very rarely take like peel stuff. If right. I'm going to blend it, I'm whatever. I have a Vitamix. It's strong right. as hell. Right. <laughs> I made, I actually made last night, I made um, cucumber uh, agua fresca. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made it with, and I just threw in the the cucumber skin and all. Uh, and then mint. And I threw in the, I threw in the sticks. <laughs> the what Sure. Think? The stems, yeah, the stems. Stick, the stem stems. sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the mint sticks. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I threw in the the I threw in the uh the stems and all. Right. But my blender just like it's yeah, no, smooth. You, absolutely. And, and and it separates all that stuff. You just throw the gunk out and um Yeah. Pineapple, uh, I throw the core in. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the core is so that's such a such a tricky and, and that uh is a very tricky uh a tricky fruit. Uh, pineapple yeah it is it's uh it's a tricky fruit to cut i think did you know that it eat it eats it like attacks you when you eat it um i did i think know that because <laughs> the acid like the acid in it, yeah. like even when it's all chopped up into pieces it's still fighting for its life <laughs> my friend my friend joe my my you know my old buddy the late joe donatello hey mm-hmm. listen he used to say uh listen let me tell you something right now you want to help your digestion? Always eat pineapples after a meal. That I mean, his, it's good. That was I his mean, big pineapple thing. is the nice. Yeah, it's a good. Uh... It's about it's the best fruit for digestion ever invented, is what he used to say. <laughs> <laughs> like it was invented in a science lab. <laughs> uh, it's the best funny. goddamn fruit for digestion. He would say it every time we would go. Like out to eat, he'd be like, "Let's stop right. off for some pineapple somewhere." You know what I mean? Like, where are you stopping for pineapple? Like somewhere? He'd, go to, he'd go to Jewel and get a pineapple and cut it up so we would eat it after. Like, if we went out to dinner, he'd oh. be like, "Let's let's go get some goddamn pineapple." You know, he'd be. You know, that was That's it. really what you know. I think what he uh, with with all of him saying that he missed out on a business opportunity to just yeah. open a place that yeah. sold pineapple oh. like already. Listen, Joe Joe had more business ideas than Ralph Cramden, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> it um, could have been a whole I mean, I don't know how yeah. much that would cost cuz you know, we're in yeah, Chicago. We don't Let me tell you something. Uh, it, you can come to the to the digestion hut. Joe's digestion hut. Right? That would be the thing though. You'd be like, "Yes, this is great for your after this dessert yeah. is very healthy for you. Get this you wanna, pineapple." That's right. You want to cleanly digest? <laughs> you want to have a nice BM? Eat a little pineapple before <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god how about this you, you can go you're fine if you don't go organic on onions and it doesn't even say what yeah. kind of onions there are nine thousand okay, well, different could, kinds of onions again i could see that no one's yep. eating the skin um, although you do put that if you make yes, stock yes you, you just do. toss those babies yep. in <laughs> uh papayas yeah again yep. another one uh that um, are also difficult to do cut. you like papaya i love papaya Blech. I hate oh. papaya. Oh, I I've love it. I've never liked papaya. That's I like, so... you know what I like? I like green papaya, but I don't like the regular old papaya oh, with those really? rabbit poo looking seeds. Love it. 
<laughs> what about mango? Do you like mango? I love mango. Me too. And also, God damn it, that is a hard, that's a really difficult fruit to cut is a mango. It is. But the oh. thing is, you just have to eat that. You just, mangoes are very like, I think it's for one person. You, all you have to do is skin it and then you just eat it. Yeah. And make your way to the pit. Because that pit is such a pain in the ass, man. And you just it, it gnaw really on it. Is. All right. That's uh, the, but that's the thing. You just got to gnaw on it. So if you're not into like getting your hands yeah. all dirty and gnawing on a pit. And sticky. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have to accept it. That's just going right. to happen. Here are the other ones. Frozen sweet peas. Well, sure. They, Wait, I why guess, frozen? Uh, because a majority of conventionally frozen sweet peas uh, have no pesticide residues as opposed to fresh sweet peas. Huh. I wonder if it's so they're, because they're frozen. They're flash frozen right away. That's why. But, um, I mean, they're still grown. Yeah, but I think what they do is they take them, they don't, they, they take them as baby peas or something and they freeze them immediately. Do you think the freezing, to, the freezing does something? I would guess, yeah. To kill off whatever, or to get rid of the pesticide residue? Probably. Hey, huh. here's, something, here's something I don't like, Esmeralda, and, and you're not, you don't find many things that I dislike, food-wise. Yeah. I and I'm Italian and Esmeralda, and this is this almost gets me kicked out of the kicked out of the Italian village. <laughs> not a fan of not a fan of eggplant. <gasps> at all? No. Like at all at all. Like I do not. You will like not eggplant. eat it in anything. I have. I okay. There are, have been certain eggplant parmesans over the years that I liked. There was a restaurant in uh, in. Um, Oh man, I can't remember. It was on Taylor Street, obviously. Okay. Uh, that I went to, and <laughs> you and could they, have just said Little Italy. <laughs> yeah, but they, it was on Taylor Street, and <laughs> and and they used to slice. And my my ex wife brought me there because I was I'm anti eggplant, and she's like, "Well, mm. try this," and and she ordered eggplant parmesan, and I tried it, and it was really good. And but they slice it really, really thinly. Um, see, this is see, this is a case of of you just not eating good eggplant. I guess because I don't if know. you liked if you like that one, it's just the preparation. You've just had eggplant yeah. parmesan or whatever. Have you? Do you like baba ganoush? You don't like baba ganoush? No, I don't like baba ganoush. No, <sighs> I'm not an eggplant guy. I'm telling you, I'm not. But it's um, so creamy. Ooh. I do not do not like awesome oh, eggplant man. <laughs> um, and then you can go non-organic with asparagus. Asparagus I could eat by the ga- by the pound. Oh, I love asparagus. I've actually and been I, craving asparagus. I, ex- I but crave it's it every day. Too rich for my blood. <laughs> I love. Yeah, it costs like nine million dollars, but it makes your pee smell cool. Oh, um, sure. Uh, broccoli. <laughs> yes, but- I love broccoli. You can oh, go. I love broccoli too. Cabbage. You can go. I love um, me some cabbage. I do too. Kiwi. I love kiwi. Oh, kiwis. Yeah, kiwis a number one fruit. Cauliflower. These are all uh, you can go non-organic. You don't have to worry nice. about it. Nice. All right. Well, I also eat. I eat a lot of. Whoop, see, I eat a lot of. See, maybe this is the problem too. I eat most of this stuff, so maybe that's why I don't. Yeah, and so I don't need it uh, organic. No mushrooms. Is, these are mainly and, all the veggies I buy. <laughs> and any kind of. By the way, any kind of mushroom. I will eat any kind of mushroom. I don't care what oh, kind yeah. of mushroom it is. I will eat it. Oh no, mushrooms are a hundred percent the best thing. Ever. I love them. All of them. Um, I agree. I totally agree. And then the last two are honeydew and uh, honeydew melon and cantaloupe. Are, those Ugh. are all, these are all things that you can buy without worrying about whether they're organic or not. And those two are like the, the, I hate those. I don't like papaya. I don't like cantaloupe. And I don't mm. like honeydew melon. I like all of that. <laughs> they're like the, they're like the, 
But do you like in a fruit salad? You just get honeydew melon and cantaloupe. I'm like, how? Dare I like you? that. I love that no. stuff. Ugh. There's I guess like no I... flavor. It has like this just kind of sad, kind of sweet flavor. Yeah. There's tartness to it. Uh, it's very one note. I do uh, not like it. Well, those are all safe. It, it, apparently, Esmeralda, all the stuff you buy, it doesn't matter whether it's organic or not. So you're See? doing good. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I don't even bother because I'm like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the eggplant thing, and, and, and I am the opposite. As you know, as I've told you this a million times. Even growing up when I was a kid, I was not a finicky eater. My parents never had difficulties with me. So what is it about eggplant? I don't know. I mean, eggplant is it and the flavor. And, and it's the. I think. I think it's mostly. It might just be the way. I mean, texture. Uh, the texture of it, I don't like. And the other, the other mm. thing I don't like is couscous. Um, what? I don't like couscous. I like the. I like it. I can. I can eat the large couscous like the small couscous i, I can't okay. do it i can't do it i can't do yeah. it and i know it's just grain i know it's just like rice but anytime i get uh, middle eastern food of any kind i always opt for basmati rice i always always never ever get couscous couscous they it, to me it has the consistency of barf i i can't what? i don't what like couscous, couscous are you eating bad couscous no i've had couscous <laughs> i from think you everywhere. are eating bad couscous no Goodness. I've, I've had listen i've had couscous from the best middle eastern restaurants i used to live in andersonville for christ's sake that's the couscous capital of america and but it's uh, like barf i it's just i the the or you know, what it, barf are you barfing well up, here cause... it is you know what no i'm sorry it makes me sick like the 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 texture of couscous makes me sick. It makes me gag. Oh my god! I can't stand it. Ridiculous! I can't stand it. The large grain couscous, I I I can stomach that, but I still would right. rather have rice. But the small couscous, no. And eggplant, mm. no. That is a shame. Yeah. Such so. a shame. But that's it, though. <laughs> I mean, everything else. I mean, you 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 dislike more food than I do in this conversation. Probably. I mean, Probably, but they're uh, <laughs> but I'm correct in not liking them. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. So <laughs> I'm wrong about couscous and yeah. And eggplant. Well, couscous and but eggplant taste good. Honeydew melon is like the saddest. It's not. honeydew melon and cantaloupe are the saddest of the fruits. No, they're not. Such no, they're a not. Sad flavor. Can't, especially cantaloupe like is very tasty. Sweet. Cantaloupe <sighs> is very tasty. Cantaloupe is very very tasty. No. So and that's papaya. why they put so much papaya of it. is very what? tasty. Oh, papaya is very like, tasty. That kind of smells like feet. Ugh. And wow. it has rabbit poop seeds. I cannot with those seeds. All right, but you do kiwi though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Those don't look like <laughs> rabbit poops. All right. Okay. I've seen rabbit poops. All right. Papayas All right. look like rabbit poops. All right. <laughs> Well, it's organic. At least it's you don't have to worry about it being organic. You don't have to spend yeah. any extra money. So there you go. There you go. And all the money that you save there, you can buy popcorn when you go see your three dollar movie on, mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday. There you go. All right, cool. All right, well, th- those articles, uh, you know, that listing of the articles are available online, where they list all of the uh, organic foods that you don't have to buy organically, which are cool. So, all right, hey, uh, Monday, uh, you are off because it's a yes. for the people uh, episode. Meaning Tom Appel will join us to talk cars. Herb Weisbaum will join us to talk consumer. And again, if you have any questions car-related or consumer-related that you want answers to, voicemail us at 773-417-6948. And also for any other thing you want to leave messages for, or email us, nickthepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor, advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. 
My thanks to Jason Skaggs. My thanks to Ed and everybody at uh, Radio Misfits. Uh, check out RadioMisfits.com. Take the time to rate and review us on all platforms and all that cool stuff. And again, Monday, for the people, Tom Pelt and Herb Weisbaum. And Esmeralda, we will talk to you um, on uh, the next Friday, uh, uh, the episode after next, when uh, Stephen Toblowski will be my guest. Oh, exciting. Yeah. So have a great weekend. Enjoy the $3 movies, even though you're going to see two movies that suck. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Esmeralda. Thanks. All right. There you go. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, The Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We'll uh, talk to you next time. 